You may be seated. I love how, like, our God is an awesome God is now an old hymn. It's like, I grew up with that music. That's great. Yeah. If you have your Bibles, if you'll go to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. So I was at a high school football game the other day, and as I was walking up to my seat, I passed this family, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. We have three generations of this family all here to cheer on the team, and as I was walking past them, I realized really quickly that it seemed that their job, and the whole reason that they were there, was to yell at the referees. I mean, all, like, Grandma was throwing out, referee, you must need cataract surgery or something. I mean, they were, it was quite amazing, the intensity that they displayed for four quarters. In fact, I think that they burned more calories than the players. I was thinking to myself, I wonder what Thanksgiving's like at their house. Wouldn't that be great? Before we eat the turkey and give thanks, we would like to air out the grievances. Who would like to start? I have a long list of all the problems that I have with you people. (laughs) It might surprise you to know that the Bible contains a book of complaints, and it's called Lamentations. In 587 B.C., everything fell apart for God's people. The Babylonians, this vicious empire, came in and conquered Jerusalem. And so the people that were living there, they lost everything. They lost their temple. They lost their dignity. Many of them lost their freedom, their possessions. In some cases, they even lost their families. And so when you read the book of Lamentations, it is raw. It is loud. It is a book where people are emotional where they are confused, where they are hurt, where they are just pouring out. You see, the human struggle is as ancient as Eden. God doesn't want us to run from our hurts. In fact, the pain of the struggle often becomes the stage of growth. And so those seasons of hurt that you and I go through in our life, though we don't look forward to them, as we look back on them, They often are the seasons in which we grow the most. In fact, how many of you could could testify that as you look back on your life, those difficult times of life were the seasons where you grew the most? Anybody able to just say, say that in your life? I can say that in my life. So there's five poems in the book of Lamentations. It is organized around the Hebrew alphabet. And each of these poems are very tightly ordered which actually serves as a contrast to the chaos of emotions that are in the book. And as you're reading through them, in the second chapter, there is this tire-screeching moment where the book of Lamentations concludes that in this case, their suffering was actually a result of their sin, that they had done some things that they shouldn't, and so they were finding themselves facing the consequences of sin. You see, God doesn't put the thou shalt nots in Scripture to ruin your fun. Whenever God says this is a sin, you don't need to go this direction, it's because baked within the natural order, there are consequences of sin, and we experience these consequences every day in our lives. We see them as things deteriorate, as people die, as we live in a world that has so much darkness. And we also see in Lamentations chapter 2 that God loves His children enough to discipline them. 
You also see this principle in Proverbs chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 12 that God disciplines the ones he loves. And so just a quick side note to those of you that are parents. Part of loving your children is appropriate discipline. Part of loving your children is giving them boundaries and giving them consequences so that they might have a healthy place to fail and to grow. And whenever they do fail, they fail forward. And you are equipping them and teaching them to live out God's mission for their life. Now, that doesn't apply to grandparents. Your, your mission in life is to just spoil the kids rotten. But, but, but if you're parents, part of, part of what God has called you to do is love your children, and that includes appropriate discipline. So we get to chapter 3, and it features one man, and he is crying out to God. And he begins reaching this conclusion, and, and stick with me here because this is very important to catching today's message. If God's holiness demands consequences, then his faithful love can also bring new mercies. If God's holiness demands consequences, then his faithful love can also bring new mercies. And this all sets the stage for one of the most encouraging passages in all the Bible, and it's set right in the middle of the book of Lament. So look with me, Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22. If this isn't already one of your favorite passages of Scripture, I think it will be in the next 30 minutes. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in Him. Have you ever found encouragement in the midst of lament? It's the bittersweet emotion. It's the blend of emotions that is both happy and sad. I like to compare it to bluebell ice cream, the great divide. Except when we think about bittersweet, there's no divide. Uh, they've kind of melted together. And you have both the bitter side and the sweet side. You have the chocolate side and the vanilla side. And you're kind of enjoying, you're kind of experiencing life with both the lament and the encouragement. Life is often bittersweet. We laugh in the moments while crying in the circumstances. And I've discovered this in living life with people, and that is that behind the, the forced smiles and warm welcomes, there's often empty eyes and a chilly loneliness. And what's really wild is that in this world, a lot of this is all blended together, and it creates this bittersweet sweet flavor that we call life. And we laugh and we have joy and we have happy moments in this life, but it's always just a little bit bittersweet because at the same time we know that there's a lot of darkness and injustice and difficulty, which drives us as Christians to long for something more. So here was my conundrum this week. Last week, I continued our Missing Words series and I talked about faith and faithfulness. 
But then I left the sermon, and I left the sermon with a bittersweet feeling because, all right, so I liked the part that I talked about faith. I felt good about that part. But I think I missed something whenever I was talking about faithfulness. Uh, I mentioned that we have to be, as Christians, faithful and that we have to be grateful. But uh, all week I had this little bittersweet feeling because I I felt like I didn't want to move on from this missing word yet, that I needed to talk a little bit more about faithfulness, and specifically I needed to talk about God's faithfulness. So here's the really good thing about being a pastor. Sunday comes once a week. (laughs) So as I thought about this Sunday, I was planning on originally moving on to a different word, but I thought, you know, I want to talk more about this word faithfulness, and I want to talk about God's faithfulness. And specifically, I felt like that a lot of us could just use some encouragement that is part, it's baked into these verses. These are just some of the most encouraging verses in the Bible. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. Even though it's difficult, even though it's hard, even though people do pass away. In fact, this week we said goodbye to one of our longest tenured members, a man that's been here for years and years and years. Clifford Dickerson passed away this week. I'm going to be talking with his family after the service today and planning out his funeral service. But because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. Why? Because his mercies never end. There's something eternal to this walk that we have with the Lord. And his mercies come to us in little daily bite-sized pieces. These mercies of the Lord that invade the darkness and shine into our world. And they are new every morning. And so as we see the rays of sunshine shining into the darkness, we're able to proclaim with the witnesses that have gone before us, great is thy faithfulness. And then we're able to say, the Lord is my portion, so therefore, I'm going to put my hope in Him. I'm going to put my hope in Him. And so as we take these verses and we try to squeeze some truth and some encouragement out of them, I want you to just zero in and allow it to saturate your mind and your heart today that God loves you with a faithful love. You know, love is one of the most overused words in our culture. We use the same word love to describe our deepest emotions, our favorite food, and a really good post on Facebook. I mean, you say to your spouse, I love you, describing your deepest emotion. And then you go to Christina's and you eat some Tex-Mex and you say, I love this. And then you see a funny meme on Facebook. I I love this. This is great. But often our love is very, very conditional. If my needs are met, then I love. And if my needs are not met, then I don't love anymore. And so figuring out love is part of the growing up process. As children are born and they grow up and they mature, one of the things that we watch happen in their life is we watch them try to figure out what love means. And it does take time. 
Even though a baby can be loving in your arms, it takes time for that child to learn about love that is mature, that is faithful, that is not selfish. So what happens, though, when love fails to mature? When love fails to mature, it becomes bitter. It becomes selfish. Some of us have experienced bitter and selfish love. Just because you are a grown-up person doesn't mean that love has matured in your life. It could be that you're still loving other people with the same type of love that a little baby loves. I want this, I want this, and I want it right now. Immature love will move in and out of relationships. Immature love will refuse to take responsibility. Immature love is always blaming everybody else. Immature love is always focused on the self. Immature love may look good at first, but it will lead to great pain. But the passage here says that God loves me and God loves you with a faithful love. Jesus says it this way, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What he's saying is you will never walk alone. And because God's wrath has been satisfied through Christ's death and resurrection, God loves his children in Christ. What this means is that when you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit immerses you into Christ so that God sees you in Christ. He does not see you as Lashbank Center, as Covey Weaver Center, as Jacob Really, Really Big Center. He doesn't see you in any of those lenses. Just kidding, my friend. He doesn't see you in any of those lenses. He sees you in Christ as his child. And when your faith is in Christ, you are secure in Christ because you are secured in Christ not because of your good behavior. His love to you is not extended to you based upon His loveliness. His love has been extended to you in Christ and God loves you with an unconditional, eternal love. And here's what's more. Because Christ conquered death, then your life is no longer limited by the temporal realities of life here on earth, but in Christ we have eternal life so that whoever believes in him will not, what's the word, perish, but have everlasting life. So when we think about the love that God has for us, this isn't apple Christianity. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. I went to church today. He loves me. Oh, I didn't catch it today. He loves me not. You need to be here, but he loves you even if you missed it. God loves you faithfully in Christ. Now, for a lot of us, we, we've never really captured that. We've never really understood it, that I am secure in Christ and his love for me. It's not based on my loveliness. It's based upon Christ, who he is, what he has done, and that my identity has been established in Christ. I have the security of eternity in Christ, which leads me to the hope of eternity in Christ. And because of that, because I'm secure in Christ, I know who I am, whose I am, and I can go anywhere and be the child of God that I have been called to be, and furthermore, I can love. 
not, out of a, not through a selfish lens, not through a me-first lens, but I can love with a faithful love because I know that I'm loved. Everybody needs loving. Everybody needs love and belonging. And in Christ, we have both. And you don't just have it in a temporary sort of until the next time you mess up, you love and you belong. We have it forever and ever and ever. Secondly, I hope that this thought will just saturate your heart today. That because of God's faithful love, his mercies never end. And they are new every morning. September 13th, 1814, a lawyer by the name of Francis Key found himself cowering down. He was on a British truce ship. They were trying to negotiate a peace, and he was out in the harbor. And it was the height of the War of 1812. And the British ships began firing upon Fort McHenry. And all night long, this strategic fort that was located just out of, outside of Baltimore was fired upon. And so Key spent the entire night in the boat watching bombs fired, knowing that his friends were on the receiving end of that and not knowing if they would see the sunrise, not knowing what would happen when night gave way to dawn. Finally, dawn comes. Key looks out across the river, and he sees that Commander George Armistead had raised the flag. But it wasn't the white flag of surrender. It was the red, white, and blue flag of our nation. And so Key pulled out a letter from his pocket, and he began to capture his emotions and his feelings in that moment. The poem that he wrote was called The Defense of Fort McHenry. The Baltimore Patriot published the poem and matched its words to a popular folk song. We know it today as the Star-Spangled Banner. In 1931, the song became the national anthem of the United States of America. You know, the poems of life are often written in the dawn's early light, just after the darkness. When we've gone through the difficulty, when we've gone through the bombing, when we've gone through those moments where we didn't know if we'd be okay or not, and then his mercies are new every morning and the sun rises again, and we begin writing the poems of life. Now, I get it. We want it to be easy, don't we? But you can't have fresh vision until you've journeyed through the darkness. If you want to have a new, fresh vision, you're going to have to go through some darkness. You're going to have to go through some times where you, you don't necessarily know what's around the corner. The poet Fernando Pessoa said, There are ships sailing to many ports, but not a single one goes where life is not painful. And I'm not telling you to embrace pain. I'm not telling you to just get this attitude of, I can't wait to hurt. But in life, pain will eventually embrace you. And I'm not suggesting that if you just think happy thoughts, that it'll all go away. If I just sit over here and just think happy, then I'll open my eyes and poof, all the problems will go away. That doesn't work. Anybody ever tried it? <laughs> but I am saying this. You can't have the dawn without the night. And I can testify to you today 
My life's been blessed in so many ways, but I've had pain. I've had struggle. And I can testify to you on the other side of pain, there is strength. Those that have traversed great pain possess great strength. And purpose rises from despair. And so often when we go through those difficult moments in life, when we go through the darkest days, when the sun rises again, there's a fresh vision and there's a purpose that causes us to say, God loves me with a faithful love and his mercies are new every morning and his mercies never end. Do you realize this? He hasn't given up on you. As long as you take up space and take in air, God is not finished with you. And you're not an accident. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And what's more, as a child of God, he's never going to give up on you. You belong to him for all eternity. You're his. And nothing is going to take you from his hand. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Sing it, church. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. One final thought. Because of the Lord's, because the Lord is your portion, you can faithfully place your hope in Him. I'll never forget my first day of school at Parkview Elementary School. My dad was a pastor for 60 years. Uh, he didn't move around a lot. In fact, he pastored one church for 40 years, 39 years. Uh, but he had accepted a call to pastor a new church. And so I was in the fourth grade, middle of my fourth grade year, and I had to change schools. And I went from my favorite teacher, Mrs. Franks, to my least favorite teacher, Miss, I won't tell you, say her name. <laughs> and so it was the first day of lunchtime at the cafeteria. And I walk into the cafeteria with 